Hi, and welcome to Dietless Living 360 Degrees, Overcoming Weight Loss Obstacles with me, your host, Katie Gordon. As a dietless living expert and coach, I help my clients to overcome their weight loss obstacles so that they can lose weight their way and lose it for life. Because it's the obstacles and challenges that we face that have the biggest impact on our health and weight. Because when the pressure's on, when we're under pressure or just plain old flat out busy, that's when all our health habits fly out the window. And it's how we deal with our emotional responses in those times that has the greatest impact on our health, weight and happiness. And how to overcome weight loss obstacles provides the framework that you need to build your personal health leadership skills so you can maintain cognitive control through those challenging times and not only maintain your healthy habits, but build on them. And with that in mind, I bring in special guests each week to talk about their greatest obstacles and challenges, how it affected their health, their weight and their happiness and how they picked themselves up and got themselves back on track and the lessons that they learned along the way. And today we have the very wonderful Joanne Watson. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Would you like to just take a couple of minutes and tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Katie. Um, hello and hello everyone who's listening. And thank you for inviting me on your show. I'm just so excited to be here. I can only just sit still. It's <laughs> so as you just mentioned, I'm Joanne Watson. I'm a pillar practitioner from Calm Animals Australia and I fix naughty pets. And naughty pets are pets that might pee or poop on the carpet or they bark a lot or they want your attention whilst you're trying to work and that's become a problem with working from home people doing that so much these days but also it's about fearful animals that are at danger to themselves and to you and to others but really it's anything that your pet or your animal is doing that you don't like I can help with that I do this through the pillar code program it goes for 12 weeks animals are really good at picking up signals from us we think we're really good at hiding things from others but we don't fool animals they can pick up on our changes and they know if we've had a bad day at work even if we put on a big smile as we come through the door. And there's just so much more they pick up. They have support dogs now. I don't know if you know about this, Katie, but they have support dogs for, for people with epilepsy. And the dog knows when the process of an epileptic fit has started and it alerts their person so that they can get to a safe place or take their medication or whatever it is that they do in their plan that works for them. And the dog picks up the changes well before the person's aware of the signs and also before... Um, diagnostic tools can can pick it up but they're also testing out and I find this absolutely fascinating that um, they're testing and trialing the use of dogs to be able to uh, sniff out cancers now as well particularly okay. with their person yeah again the animal picks up the changes way before our diagnostic tools or the person's notices the changes so that means things are caught really early on in the process and that has to lead to better outcomes yeah it's the smell or something, isn't it? Our, we, we give off aromas and dogs have such a sensitive nose that they pick up on that and that's yeah. how they know that uh, either an epileptic fit's coming or uh, somebody has, the, has cancer or whatever. Yeah, 
Yeah, and they're also all animals are really good at um, picking up on the energy that that's coming from our body. So, um, it, it, when that changes, they start looking for for reasons as well. So, when a person, oh, sorry, an animal is um, behaving naughty, um, in the Oxford Dictionary, naughty means badly behaved or disobedient. So basically, if the animal, your animal, your pet, isn't behaving how you want it to, according to your list of rules, then they're they're naughty and badly behaved. So it's that dynamic of the energy that the animal is picking up from you and um, that I'm actually working with. Because you know how sometimes you see people talking or someone talking to someone with um, not very good English yeah. and the first person starts speaking louder and slower to try and help the second person understand. And it usually doesn't help because the person doesn't have problems with the volume. <laughs> yeah, it's English. So when our pets are being naughty, it's a bit like that. They're trying to tell us something, but because we don't understand them, they up the ante and become more obvious about it. I believe so, humans do the same. <laughs> well, I didn't want to mention that, but you know, <laughs> I can work with humans too. <laughs> yeah, so I'm kind of a translator for the for the animal. Oh, and I if, like that. <laughs> and if it's a rescue animal that we're talking about, then they can be bringing a whole heap of baggage in with them. And in these cases, they're often often asking for help for themselves as well. But yes. also, yeah because of what's happened to them in their past. Yes, and, you know, so many, I've done a lot of house sitting. I, I was a house sitter for three years, permanent house sitter for three years, stayed in a lot of homes. Nice. And so many of the pets that I looked after were rescue pets. Uh-huh. And they were all a delight. I've had friends who have rescue pets as well, but each and every rescue pet did have quirky behaviour that they mm. brought with them because of the unfortunate circumstances that they came from. Some were, because uh, I did a lot of my house-sitting overseas, and some were actually, they have a program for rehoming street dogs from Romania. Okay. So they were quite, I, I house-sat for or met three dogs that actually came from Romania. Yeah, but other pets, you know, they either were given them from somebody who couldn't have them, or, and you know, the most delightful thing that I found about that, that what that really warmed my heart, was the extraordinary lengths that the owners would go to. Yeah, it's great, to make isn't it? Those pets comfortable and happy and. There was no end to the money they would spend on them, the special circumstances that they would provide for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was so heartwarming. So I love that you work with the rescue pets as well as just normal, wonderful, home-loved pets. But I think the rescue pets, because we don't know their traumas that they've come through. I've got a yep. friend in France. She had, She just collects pets from the street if she sees a pet somewhere she just brings them home and that is so wonderful that you do that my husband thinks I do that with animals too <laughs> but he doesn't know how many more I'd bring home if I actually put my mind to it <laughs> if, if, if it was open gates yeah <laughs> yeah I don't go to visit animal shelters just because I'd have to bring all of them home 
Yes. Yeah, because you are a really animal-orientated person, aren't you? You've been with animals all your life. Yes. Yeah, It's for me it's just natural to have several pets. I've, I've kind of got the number three in my head now and I have three dogs, three horses. I've had three cats in the past. And just so that then if you take one away, they've still got a friend at home. Oh. So, yeah. So obviously if I go riding on my horse, then I'm company for the horse. Yep. But if you only had one extra at home they'd be lonely so um you'd have to have a have to have a friend <laughs> or if you take the vet uh, a dog to the groomers or something then yeah. um you know the, there might just be one left at home so you still got to have a friend to play with while the other one's away <laughs> oh that's nice in my mind one day i'm going to have um three king charles spaniels I've already Ooh, nice I'm going oh to, nice yes i'm going to have uh charlie girl she'll be a little black one Yep. I'll be Jitterbug. She'll be a ruby. Nice. A little ray of sunshine will be a Blenheim. <laughs> oh, I like Blenheims. Oh, they're nice. Yeah, yes. my mum's had a Blenheim. So ah, yep. They're so lovely. And I've asked that for them. They're wonderful. Pets are so good. They are. And how appropriate now that we have a new monarch. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> Yes. I was really sad when I heard Elizabeth died. I'll cry now. <laughs> yeah, I was um, a bit upset. It was definitely an end of an era. Yes, well, you know, she was such a great leader, mm. such a great mm. leader, real stoic. We like it. And I'll bet, you know, I mean, we're here to talk about overcoming obstacles. Can you imagine the things that Queen Elizabeth had to overcome in oh, her 70-plus years as the Queen? Yes, and she just kept smiling and just kept on going on, didn't she? She did. She just handled it all with her chin up and just go forward. And, you know, the Stoics really know, I think, yeah, how to just go forward with life. These are the things that happen and, you know, there's a lot to be learned from that. So yeah. speaking of overcoming obstacles, Joe. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> so <laughs> what's the greatest obstacle that you've had to actually overcome in your life and how did it actually impact on you either physically, emotionally and or mentally? Um, and how did you actually overcome the obstacles? Like how did you pick yourself up, get yourself back on track and maybe share with us some lessons or insights or wisdom that you learned along the way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, sure. Um, I really thought about this question when um, when you invited me onto your show and I, I thought, well, yes, I've been through some loved ones passing away and I've moved house and I've had new jobs and they all have their own challenges. But the thing that frustrates me the most and causes me the most stress was not being um, able to understand why trained animals, particularly mine that I'd been through all this training with and things, um, why they didn't listen to me when they were nervous or anxious and you just couldn't get through to them. It's that frustration and that stress because you feel like there's people you can go to and talk to when you have to move house and you've got a list of things that you need to get done and, and you can go through them. Yeah. Um, and for most of the challenges of life, you've got 
kind of a, a plan that you can refer to and and talk to others about it but there's so many differing opinions when you've got an issue with an animal that it kind of just blows your mind and you realize you have to find out what works for your you in your situation um so yeah um i this particularly came became available evident to me when I ride horses, as we were yeah. discussing. Um, and several of mine have been a racehorse in a previous life, as in oh, like... Oh, right, extraders or races. Many gallopers, yeah. yeah. And they can be really highly strung animals. Yes. So horses that are off the track can be afraid of many things, and that could be someone bending over to pick up a stick or a broom because they might think it's a whip because they're yeah. so used to whips um, or loud noises or rubbish being blown around by the wind or just even just the sound of the wind in the trees and heaps of other things. Now, it won't come as a surprise to anyone to know that a racehorse is trained to run and to run fast. Yeah. And sometimes it seems like a really good strategy to the horse to um, when they're scared of something to run away from it really fast. <laughs> to just take off. <laughs> and that's not usually a good idea from the person's point of view, whether you're on their back or on the ground. Yes. Um, so, yeah. If you're on their back, it can make training and riding the horse really difficult because they're always looking for an escape route mm-hmm. and they're always got their attention somewhere else because they're looking for the problem that's about to, like a saber-toothed tiger that's about to jump out from a, behind a tree or something and so their attention isn't on you and what you're trying to do with them they're not relaxed are they really not relaxed and they're not nice to ride because they're jumping around and yeah so they've been um, trained to go a certain thing which is run like the wind for hmm. a short distance from you know go from standstill to but when you're on your back, on their back, it doesn't seem like a short distance. It can seem like a very long way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I imagine. Well, there's no finish line for them there, is no, there. Is there? No. And so also when you have an animal that you love that's obviously in distress, you want to help them. Yeah. And it's really depressing not being a- able to help them. And that just can build a lot of stress up in well, it did. It built a lot of stress up in me and a lot of frustration up in me because I kept running up against this problem. And yeah. Because I've had several ex-race horses over the years, it was proving to be a really difficult nut to crack for me. And it wasn't just a training or a fitness problem. You could work them um, until they were tired, but every day you'd have to work them for a bit longer because otherwise, because they were getting fitter in the process. You're up there because there was something you said in the beginning when you sort of gave us a little intro about yourself that I want to bring in here, which is... When we have a a pet that is misbehaving, yep, it, and then we sort of went on and you talked about pets that you know they can smell epilepsy and that 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 change in our personality and or whatever in our chemistry, and I think what you were saying too was that they our when a pet is misbehaving. Our chemistry changes because we start to get a little bit anxious about it or maybe we're a bit angry about it or we're a bit uh, whatever. We're having an emotional response to it, whatever that emotional response is, which then heightens 
that animal's um, emotional state that's causing the bad behaviour then mm-hmm. heightens their um, desire to do the behaviour they've been doing, which is relieving their anxiety but yep. giving us anxiety and creating it's a enough- vicious circle. <laughs> and with the, the gallopers, with the horses, because I worked on a... Um, my best friend when I was 16 had a riding ranch and she had a few yeah. ex-gallopers and trotters. Mm-hmm. Yes, you they just did their own thing and the more she was really good, right, because she was just, a I don't know, natural with the horsies. Yeah. Um, and I... They, they didn't pick up in, on anything from her, but, boy, when I went near them, they could smell the fear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And so it just becomes a vicious cycle to um, your fear goes up because they're behaving how you would prefer them not to, which means they go, oh, that, that, you know, even they if it's more anxiety. Because they're not sure why you're getting afraid and then, oh, there must really be something and then you'll get, more fearful because they're acting even worse and so that yeah it just keeps you keep feeding off each other it's really tough to break that cycle yes and so raising your voice and talking loud and just really won't work no I've not found it to work yet anyway (laughs) I've stopped trying to do that unless it's like uh, they're running out in front of the car and they just have to hear me type thing then maybe I might then but um yeah no it it doesn't work (laughs) tell me with the horses that you have with the uh ex-racers ex-gallopers yep and um because you did train horses you've shown animals in the Mm -hmm. Royal Easter show and those kinds of things so I'm guessing this is where your frustration was because you were working with animals in to show not always, but you've always had animals. But yeah, yeah. Um, because you're you're what you're saying to us is that you got an that became a huge obstacle for you that you were working with the pets, working with the animals, and doing all the right things that you meant to do to train an animal. Mm, um, yeah. with all the love and care and tenderness that goes <laughs> with that, as well as the steps that you do, but yep. you weren't getting a response. Yeah, and I got so frustrated with it at the time and I didn't like the um, conventional response of put a harsher bit on or tie this head down or tie this. I didn't I didn't like that. So I stopped showing for ages um, and it wasn't until five or six years ago now that I found the pillar code um, and that. I've taken myself through it, then I took or I've taken all my animals through it and it's just amazing how the, the difference in them now. Yeah. Um I, I can take my current thoroughbred out, Speedy, and um mm-hmm. he, <laughs> and he used to be really quite mm, difficult to ride when it got windy. Yeah. But now <clears throat> he's fine. I don't know how he'd go in a cyclone, but, you know, I wouldn't be wanting to ride in a <laughs> oh, cyclone. I was gonna, just going to say probably not likely to be out there. <laughs> no, so I'm probably not ever going to find out, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, he's he's great in the wind now. He's just calm. He's just a lovely ride these days. Yeah. He doesn't worry about, um, you know, chip packets blowing past him anymore or um, a leaf falling off a tree. He doesn't yeah. worry I can even carry whips on him now. I don't 
use them, but yeah, you know, I can carry them. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have a you know, freak out or anything. He's he he's fine. Yeah, yeah. I even can write, um, do the stock saddle thing and have you know a dryer bone rolled up at the front of the saddle and saddle bags at the back and a billy attached and a. Oh yeah, clang clang clang. Yeah, doesn't mind any of that anymore. He's really good. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Tell me, though, how did all of, like, that was obviously over an extended amount of years of you working with animals, struggling with some of them. Mm -hmm. And, like, how was that as a, because it is annoying. Well, annoying is probably not even the right word. Frustration, I think, was your word. It's a frustration, especially when it really was not just your hobby was showing animals is really a full-time job isn't it pretty much yeah yeah and so you were living with it day in day out you were getting a lot of um asking a lot of people for advice which i imagine were other pet owners horse people vets Mm -hmm. trainers um getting all the advice not getting the results that you wanted yeah so how did that become um like there was obviously an obstacle for you to enjoying being able mm-hmm. to be with the animals. So how did that actually affect you? Well, the the stress and the annoyance built up, and I was just um, I was cranky, and yeah, I found um, it was difficult in, to enjoy myself because I was always trying to work out the answer to the problem. I never was um, diagnosed as clinically depressed, but Looking back, I was depressed. Yeah, because Definitely. you were trying everything that you knew, right? Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't just for anyone who, sorry, for me and my horses or my dogs. It was um, if people had asked you for help because they were having difficulty, it was difficult. Sometimes it was difficult to to help them as well because they were bouncing up against similar problems and stuff. Yes, yes. Mm. And I imagine that the more frustrated you became with it the the like we already said the more the problem occurred with the with your horses <laughs> yes I actually found yeah. at one of the jobs I had and which um I'd come home at night to feed the horses and they would come up closish to me but still stay about 10 meters away and they wouldn't come into the yards to to feed until I'd calm down and like I thought I was calm but yeah, yeah some nights I even had to do a five-minute meditation in the yards before I was calm enough and they go, yep, now we'll come in and eat now. Yep, that's fine. So they told me very loudly as much as they could anyway that, you know, we're not coming in until you calm down and you're in a better space. And that's when we usually yell, yeah, but I am calm. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, if you're not coming in now, I'm not going to feed you. (laughs) Can't you see how calm I am? Yeah, I'm extremely calm. (laughs) And this is the thing of life, right, because it's the same. um, I like that we're talking about animals because the reality is this happens in our day-to-day life with either people at work people at home, um, even just in the, in the uh, supermarkets. You know, if we go into a supermarket or anywhere where there's people, shopping centres, and we're in a bad mood, it's that energy that we give off, even if we think we're being relaxed or maybe we're yeah. not even trying. But when we 
have it's I like the workplace as a good example because it's more like working with animals where they're not in your home, although sometimes yeah. with pets they are. Yeah. But this energy that we give off, we work with people that we don't particularly gel with, or mm-hmm. perhaps we work with people who are uh well, I wanna I wanna be nice here. <laughs> Um, that it seems like they're on purpose uh, being challenging towards us for, you know, we have bullies at work and all sorts of things. Mm. And it is. We also have that Australian larrikin, don't we? This stirrer who just likes to stir things up a bit too. And for some people that's like, oh, there they are again. And we try and hold our head up or, you know, we try and be calm on the outside, but there's that instinct or that smell or whatever it is coming off us and I think this is where I really like what we're talking about with animals because it is really the same for humans and it creates so many problems for us so thinking about animals I'd like you to give us three tips if you like or perhaps just pieces of advice on how to or for somebody who's not done the the work that you've done but just mm-hmm. has a challenging pet, three pieces of advice on how to change out the energy they have that may help change the response that they're having from their pet. And I'm I'm hoping that perhaps those three pieces of advice will just naturally transfer over to people that are listening and having challenges with mm-hmm. other people. The the best way is to um, have, bring more joy back into your life and more balance. Uh, we all know that we're looking for a life-work balance, but usually it's because we haven't got enough joy in our life and that can create a lot of stress in us. So um, that's different for different people. And taking time for yourself is really good because you need that time to be able to not necessarily relax as in having a snooze or having a glass of wine, but bringing yourself down and and allowing to release all those frustrations. And for some people that might be meditating or it might be doing some yoga or it might be going for a walk. And if you do, take your dog and... um, just putting their feet in the sand at the beach or whatever it is, simple things that don't have to cost much Um, or even having a hug. A hug releases lots and lots and lots of um, endorphins and and other happy feeling. Um, They say we should have five hugs a day just for general good health. Oh, I would. I'd like that, yeah. And it can be from your dog. Or your horse. <laughs> I think that's why people really love pets, right? Because it is the ability to have an unconditional hug. Mm. Want to have a hug, and majority cats. I don't know about cats, but the majority of times you want to hug your dog. They're all for it. Yes, exactly. Sometimes if they're a rescue pet, they might need to learn that hugs are, are okay. But once they cr- catch on to what the idea is, they love them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. Hugs for us. Yeah. Yeah. So is that one or two pieces there? We've got one more to go. Yeah, and spending time, just spending time doing whatever it is that you really, really like is um, yeah. to keep it all in balance. Yeah. So. I really love that that's what you said 
is the remedy because that's one of the the key things that I teach as well for losing weight, right? Because it's dietless living. It's mm-hmm. forget about dieting and focus on living because it's in the living part, the having fun. Yeah. We don't have enough fun in our lives. That's the key to a lot of things, right? Happiness changes everything. But like you say, it's not just a massage or laying on the couch. It's being able to find that joy in everyday life. Look yes. at the trees and see the sun and go, yes, it's a beautiful day, even if it's pouring rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and every day above ground, my dad used to say, every day above ground is um, a good day. Wise man. <laughs> Very wise man. <laughs> he was. He was. Yeah. So, yeah. Joe, tell me, what's the biggest risk that you've ever taken and why did you take it? Well, the biggest risk I've taken was leaving full-time employment and starting my own business. Yeah. And I took it because I had worked for 40 plus years for somebody else and I thought that I didn't want to die wondering what it would be like to have my own business. And so that's what I did. And How um, long ago was that? Five years ago. Oh, wow. Well done. Yeah, so um, and it's been a very exciting and interesting ride. <laughs> well, yes, you're you're not the first um, entrepreneur like myself who's uh, who's been on the show, and there there is a very common theme about the biggest risk being the starting up our own business because it is yeah. a roller coaster of excitement and adventure. It is, and also standing up in front of people to tell them what you do. Um, yeah, when it's particularly when it can be a little bit of left field for some people, they kind of sometimes think you're doing what? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm not. I used to be. I'm getting learning to love it, but I didn't used to be very comfortable in the spotlight. But I'm I'm still learning to love it. To be honest, <laughs> it's just practice, right? It's just yes, practice. building a skill like anything else. We yes. we, we probably weren't, you know comfortable the first time we drove a car but eventually we got good at it we understood the benefits of being able to drive ourselves from a to b yeah and we exactly. got good at it and then we got comfortable and yeah that's just yeah. how it goes i mean having your own business right is the best upskilling in any job like for me i always say it you know i've never worked in a job where i've been so upskilled you have to learn so many different things and personal growth is at the top of it. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And sometimes personal growth can be confronting. Well, that's the main thing, right? So when you think about the obstacles of life, personal growth is the most confronting because we just want to stay in our box Mm -hmm. and be in our comfort zone. But if you want something, then you have to grow and you have to step outside of that. And that's where people go, oh, do I really want to? And they focus on all the things that could go wrong. And um, so, yeah, so that makes them, I think that makes them more likely to happen if you're thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Well, that's where your attention and focus is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And if we come back to our earlier conversation about the pets, well, it's that heightened inner energy from us Mm -hmm. that 
it's the same thing with life as with pets. Life picks up on how you're feeling. Yes, exactly. Everything that you come into contact with people and situations, circumstances, opportunities all tend to have the same resonance. Mm, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like so as you think about how you started your own business, how how have you moved yourself through the emotional challenges of that? I've been using the pillar code tools that I've learnt there, um, which is a kind of a meditation, one of the tools is, and working through those and that helps um, helps me to keep calm and balanced and looking on the bright side and being grateful for everything I've got. So um that's that's how I've been been going through. Oh, I just saw a tail and a. I know. Head, it's a little, head head. Little, we've got a little tail. Who's come to visit? Rosie's coming. She's Hello, a Rosie. border collie Kelpie cross. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Rosie. She's Look come. at you. <laughs> I love that she's come. I've seen your pets before and they do always just look so relaxed. Have you got a poodle? Was it a poodle one? Um, yes, he's outside at the moment. Yeah. I've yeah. seen him in um, other times we've been on Zoom together, and he does like it. He's he's kind of like one of those annoying ones, people, uh, dogs that want to, your attention all the time. But he doesn't want it all the time, and he just comes for a, the occasional cuddle, and so then yeah, he goes away. Yeah, times I've seen him, he's just kind of been really calm and relaxed, sitting there taking the attention that you give him, and then <laughs> you just wander off. As as long as he could have a pat, then yes, he's fine. <laughs> we all like acknowledgement. We do, we do. Yes. Sorry, I've forgotten the question now. My dogs distracted me. That's all right. We <laughs> like dogs. Um. Well, I was asking, how did you? Because it is emotional. Getting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. So. A business owner and all the things that you have to do. So, and you've said you use. The, some of the tools you have from the pillow but, but mainly feeling like I even write lists of things that I'm grateful for so that when I'm feeling a bit down I can look at that list and work at uh, remember what is I'm doing things and I, I mean everywhere I've planned things I've got the reason why I'm doing stuff so that um, I think we call it reason for getting out of bed so yeah. just so you remember when you're not as bright and perky as you are on some days. <laughs> yeah. And that's normal, right? That's a normal yeah. human thing. I, I don't know many people, if any, that bound out of bed every day going, you be skibby, you know, we just aren't wired that way. No, exactly, exactly. We are actually wired to, to look and find the negative because it was yeah. what um, helped us stay alive in the yeah. past. So, yes, it's um, but it doesn't help us in the long run. Well... I've always, my, my opinion on that has been that that part of our self has kept us alive. It has done a very wonderful job. However, its strategies are very short-sighted. Yes, yes, that's a good way of saying it. In terms of the strategies that it provides, and then it has to make another strategy to overcome the small uh, small new obstacle that's been created. Like in the dieting world, what I do mm -hmm. is that part of ourselves says reach for food that's going to make you feel good because at the moment you've got a lot of tension in your body and we don't like tension it's bad for the vessel and so the reach for food and you have the food and then 
it's such a short-sighted thing, right? Because then there's mm. a, a response to the food, a sugar hype or whatever, or long-term it's the being overweight and the problems that come with that. Yes. Um, yes. Which is a bit like the naughty dog cycle, right? Yes, it just exactly. keeps ex- um, compounding itself. <laughs> It yes, exactly. A bit more long-sighted, which is why we have our wonderful logical self who can come in and go, no, no, no. no. Yes, yes. And you know, having my gratitude lists, a list of things I'm grateful for, is is just helps to remind me and keep me positive and keep me going. So yeah. I find that and, good. And keep your logical self back online, right? Yes. 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 Exactly. Which is the exactly. main thing. <laughs> it is. So, Joe, tell me, what have you got coming up for yourself, if anything, that's a little bit or maybe a lot outside of your comfort zone? Maybe it even feels like a bit of a risk. And why are you doing it? It's something that um, I've just done was really big. Um, I drove my horse over to South Australia, which is four days driving away, and we had a two-week um, training course over there and then four days back. And it was, I wanted to do it because I'd never done anything like that before. I hadn't driven my ho- any horse that far before. I was 99% sure we could do it, but I wanted to make sure I could do it. <laughs> and um, it was, I was well out of my comfort zone for that because I just didn't know the places that we were going to stay overnight. I hadn't stayed there before. So, you know, everything was an unknown whether or not the car would actually make it that far. Um, again, I was fairly certain it would because it's yeah. only four years old. Um, but you just don't know if a wheel's going to fall off or if something simple is going to go wrong. Or There was a group of six of us, so I didn't actually go by myself. I don't, know, don't think That's I could have coped with that. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, where do so. you stay when you're towing a horse and you need to stay overnight somewhere? Well, apparently it's a thing now that um, you've got these pet motels. And um, so um, not all of them take horses, but, um, you know, you can stay at a hotel with your dog or your cat or your horse. You just have to search on good old Google on the internet. So to, um, if there was four, like a four-day drive, so that's three nights that you had yeah. to camp, stay somewhere before yeah. you got to your destination and you found three places that you could stay that had stables that you could put your horse in mm-hmm. sometimes it was for us uh, for horse people it's at the showground oh, right. um, of the of the town um but yeah no, there was a, a long list of um motels that we that had accommodation for horses as well i was quite surprised at um the choice that we had so we kind of like worked out um for five hours driving each day yeah and um and what was the closest town to about five hours so of driving, which was great. It was wow. really good. It means we got a good bed and the horse got a, a safe place to be and it was great. And how did the horses like going for three days in, you know, being towed along in the back? It would be a bit boring for them, I imagine. I imagine it would be too, but usually you have some hay in there or something so that they can eat it um, or, yeah, Maybe that because my horse likes to look out the window that's at the front, so he looks at with looking at all the stuff going past. And he, they have sleeps; they sleep yeah. in it there too. Yeah, yeah. Which means you have to drive very smoothly because otherwise, um, 
they could fall <laughs> fall over or you know <laughs> it's Those a bit moves for the horse i imagine in the float it's a bit like standing on the bus um just oh, holding yeah, on to yeah. onto the the handrail or the yeah. little grip that holds hangs down and closing your eyes because they wouldn't know when a corner was coming or anything so yeah, um, yeah that's how i imagine it would be from that point of view yeah. Do, they, do they have horsey floats yet with um, movies, TVs? <laughs> I've not seen them, but I'm not in the in the. Um, uh, I haven't. I'm not in the market for for yeah, yeah. updating my float at the moment. So yeah, I um I've not noticed them, but I I'm wouldn't sure. be surprised. <laughs> yes, I'm sure somebody has them somewhere. Well, I mean, they have dog TV, so I'm sure somebody would be able to do horse TV and you could link it up to your horse float. They'd be watching <laughs> Mr. Ed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't let mine because I just wouldn't want them to learn all those tricks. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good show, Mr. Ed. Anyone out there, if you don't know Mr. Ed, I'm sure he's on YouTube. Very I'm often. sure you have to be. And anyone out there who does remember Mr. Ed, yeah, we know how old you are. Yes, we do. <laughs> Does he say George, the the owner? I think oh, so. George. <laughs> no, Wilbur. Wilbur. Oh, Wilbur. Wilbur. I think George was his boss or his neighbour, but there was definitely a George in there. Oh, I'll Wilbur. <laughs> we'll have to go and have a look on YouTube for that. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Not thought about Mr. Ed in years. Yes. Well, well done you. And was the trip home as good? Yes, it was very smooth. It was a very smooth trip there and back. So, Excellent. Um, and I wasn't as scared about driving home because I already knew we stayed in the same places on the way back as we did yeah. on the way over. So, yeah, I knew that was going, what was going on with that. And it was so much fun that we're going back next year. So that's good. Oh, excellent. <laughs> well, I'm glad it was a good journey for you and that your horse and you had friends and that was wonderful. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. <laughs> Tell me, what do you do for fun, Joanne? Is it all horses or is there something else? Um, friends and family and dinners and I like um, baking and I'm also gluten and lactose intolerant, so I really enjoy finding ways to make my favourite recipes, um, being gluten and dairy-free, and, uh, and also so that they don't taste like cardboard and my husband will eat them. Um, <laughs> so they have to taste pretty much like the other version. Yeah. Um. Before, before my husband will eat it. Yeah. Oh, and I love chocolate, so that's fun. <laughs> you and Misty Hankel, Misty Hankel, if you're watching. <laughs> peas in a pod for the chocolate. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. So um. What's your favourite chocolate then? Does it? Do you like fancy chocolate, or is it just like your basic Cadbury's? I like dark. Oh, the darker, the better. For that 80%? Um, yes, and I think there's a 95% around oh, in right. some brands. And, um, yeah, I like dark. Are you a connoisseur of chocolate? I don't think I'm a chocolate snob in that I don't um, only eat one brand of chocolate, but there's not very many that do 70% and over yep. in the um, for the darkness. So that so. Okay, so if you had Belgium chocolate or are there, you know, private little, uh, are they called chocolatiers? I think they might be, yeah. 
Uh, Sounds fancy enough for them to be called chocolatiers. (laughs) Chocolatiers. It's like a mouseketeer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, I've tried anything that's dark, I'll try. Okay. Particularly if it's got, I also don't mind it if it's got sea salt in it too. That's nice too. Yeah. I don't like it too sweet. Well, we know what to get you for your birthday. Thank you. What do you do for relaxation? Is it different to fun? A little. I do find those things for fun good um, and relaxing, but I do like taking the dogs for a walk. I'll even take the horses for a walk. Um, And I've got a – I'm very, very lucky where I live. There's a three-kilometre track that's a bit up and downy but not too too much of a problem Uh, for me. Not that the animals are fine. (laughs) Yes. So – a three-kilometre walk I can do in about 40 minutes, so it's not a lot of time. And um, and it just gets you out into the sunshine or whatever the weather is and into nature. And because I live in rural New South Wales, I don't um, – it's, it's kind of like an uh, exciting event when a car goes past for me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, not dangerous at all. <laughs> we can just – just have fun out there. But I also do like sitting in the sun and reading a book, curling up with a book almost anywhere is a relax for me. What kind of books do you like? Novels or? Yeah, yeah. I'm using it for an escape. I don't really want I, – I'm, I'm quite happy to do real life, but yeah. if it's not um, – I don't like war. I get really upset with war and, and that sort of thing, but I'm um, happy to live in – lose myself in, in anything like that, you know. In a book, yeah, yeah. I find it easier than watching a movie because I get to imagine what's happening rather than being told how it's happening. And um, in a movie, I often can't sit down for longer than two hours, so um, I can get up and walk around with a book and come back to it. Yes, I do that with movies, actually. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm very hard-pressed to sit through a whole movie without pausing 17 times and wandering off and coming back you're a girl after my own heart (laughs) unless I'm you know knackered and I'm actually laying flat on the couch at the time which is a rarity well then I'm probably going to go to sleep and miss it anyway (laughs) I'm just sitting still in the uh, and for that length of time Without, you know, working on a yes. keyboard. I can sit here for hours. It's easy peasy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, naughty yeah. but easy. <laughs> well, just it's good to good to do that at some stage, but also to get up and move around and yes. keep the blood flowing. Get going yeah. and get moving. Yes. Well, Joanne, it's been an absolute delight to have I've had so much fun. It's been great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank and you. I have loved talking about all the animals with you because you're the first person I've had on the show that has that the conversation has mostly been about animals because they are just us. Mm, they are. They are. Yeah. So, which isn't that surprising seeing some made up of the same stuff. Well, exactly right. You know, they we are the same. And I think really the reality of pets are they are just a good mirror of us. And, again, that can be a bit confronting. Yes. And so if somebody, <laughs> if you're out there and you do have naughty pets or pets that are behaving badly, 
do give Joe a call. Her details will be listed in the, they're probably sitting right there below us now as we're talking. <laughs> and you can get in contact with Joanne. Um, are you on LinkedIn, Joanne? I am on LinkedIn. LinkedIn uh-huh. and Facebook, and we'll have a website details and her email and a phone number all there for you. And you'll be able to get in contact with her and find out about the workshops that she has coming up. I think you've got a workshop or an information center or something. Uh, information yep. center. <laughs> information session, yes. session coming up on what to do with your naughty pets or pets behaving badly. Mm-hmm. I do. So thank you so much, Joe. I'm really pleased that you came on the show and enjoyed stretching yourself and coming here. <laughs> thank you so much, Katie. I really had fun. Wonderful. It's been just such a pleasure talking to you. And thank you to everybody who's watching or listening today. If you do need any help overcoming the challenges in your life that are impacting your weight, your health and your happiness, please just send me an email and let's just get together and get it sorted out now so that you can get on with enjoying the life that you've been looking for. So bye for now, everybody. I'll see you in the next episode.